0: to be sharing tonight and um, I just want us to take a moment before I speak uh, just to just to quiet our hearts again just for a moment and to gaze upon Jesus. Holy Spirit would you illuminate our imaginations tonight to see the lamb at the center of heaven. The one worthy The only one worthy, the only one perfect, blameless, spotless, one who took upon him the sins of the world, he took each one of us, he took our sin upon him because only he could bear that, only he could bear the wrath of God. Just take a moment just to gaze upon the Lamb of God. And just in your heart, just say thank you to Him. Just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking my punishment, for taking my place. You're worthy. You're worthy. We're going to sing the song for eternity. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. <laughs> and we know you're not only the the lamb, but you're the lion. You died, but you rose again in full authority, in full victory. You crushed the serpent under your feet, Jesus. You crushed death, shame, guilt, unworthiness, depression, heaviness, sickness, everything is under your feet, Jesus. King above kings, Lord above lords. You are victorious. And you're preparing your bride for an eternity with you. Thank you that we get to be a part of your church, to be a part of your bride. That we have an eternity with you in front of us. This is our hope. This is our expectation. Is to spend eternity beholding you, glorifying you, worshiping you. And we thank you that we... We don't have to wait for that one day when we're in heaven. We can start right now. God, we consecrate our lives to honoring you, to worshiping you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here amongst us. We don't want to leave this place the same, but we want to be changed. Would you come and change us? We prophesy over our our hearts, over our spirits, that uh, we're good soil tonight for the seed of your word. God, Would your word, come and be implanted in good soil and bear much fruit in our lives. Come change us. Come shape us like only you can, God. Holy Spirit, come do what only you can do. Come set free. Come restore. Come heal. Come change our understanding, where we believe the wrong things, where we believing half-truths tru- half and lies, would you come and bring your truth tonight about who you are and about who we are? We love you, God. We love you. And it's, it just seems so even it's significant to say that when we think of your love for us, your great, perfect, perfect, perfect love, But we just come like kids and we say, as imperfect as we are, we love you. (laughs) And we thank you that you receive our love. You delight in our love. Thank you that we can bring you joy tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that a crazy thought that we can bring the Father joy? The one who needs nothing, who lacks nothing, we can bring him joy. Turn to the person next to you and say, You make the Father happy. Awesome. That's a good truth. So, um, in the month of July, we've been speaking about obedience. Uh, I said it, I, I preached in the morning, the English service this morning. I, when I look at the slide, I suddenly realize that it doesn't look like a great sermon. It looks like I'm some totalitarian dictator uh, preacher telling you to obey James Pringle. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what the, the sermon means, and, uh, or what the sermon title means. But we've been speaking about obedience uh, in this month. And uh, I'm going to be bringing it home to, tonight. Not that we're not going to speak about obedience going forward, but kind of the sermon series. And uh, I was really happy when Amo asked me if I would preach tonight. Uh, just because uh, at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of each year, I take a moment just to pray and, and ask God for a sense of you know, what it is that He wants me to, to like hang on to through this year. So that there will be something that when the times get tough, maybe it's sometimes some years it's a scripture, other years it's just a word or something, but I want something to, to hang on to throughout the year, and, and my, my kind of, what I sensed at the beginning of this year that I need to hang on to is just faithful obedience, faithful obedience, just being faithful to obey, not necessarily knowing the outcomes, not necessarily knowing all the implications, how it's going to look, how it's going to work out, but just be obey, just be obedient, take Take it one step at a time and be obedient and be faithful. Hear and do. And I actually wanted to share, so that was at the beginning of the year, and now we're six, seven months in. I wanted to share a couple of testimonies of God's goodness. Uh, One of them is somewhere last year, we, myself, and a few friends, we felt that uh, we needed to do a ministry trip to the United States. So I oversee a team called Shofa Band, which is musicians from all the different Shofa churches. And uh, America wasn't at all on our agenda or on our radar. Not something, nothing against them, but it wasn't at all. I, I, like I'd love to go to America, but it wasn't at all kind of on my radar or something I, I want to do. And uh, but then God just confirmed over and over through a few people, we need to go there, just go do some ministry. So we started planning, and um, and then. As a kind of the trip took shape, uh, we decided we were going to be there for three weeks. And uh, you guys know the, the rate of the dollar and the rand. So can you imagine three weeks in a country where everything is times 18 or, or 19? Uh, and so travel and um, food and accommodation, flights, all of that worked out to a budget of 60,000 rand per person. Five of us going, that's 300,000 rand. And uh, we are leaving in just over two weeks, and we are fully funded for that three hundred thousand. How good is God? And uh, I remember looking at that budget. And I'm like, "Oh my word, Lord! How on earth is this going to work out?" But I felt I need to be obedient. I just knew I just needed to be faithful and obey what God has said. And so, so we're going. So we're going to go and connect with some some really cool like uh, worship movements and some churches and some individuals that God is, uh, has connected us with, and uh, it's really just, a, as I say, a trip of obedience. We're just going from place to place, connecting with the people that God wants us to connect with. Another cool testimony, just, I know this is all kind of financial provision, there's been so many other testimonies that God has, has brought, but just specifically within finances. Um, at the end of last year, there was, a, there was a, an ad that came up of SAMRA, which is like a music rights organization for musicians and for singers. It's tied to the government, and they were offering these mini grants uh, to anyone who's making new music, and so I'm part of Chauffeur Band, we bring out a new album this year, get excited about it, it's really going to be great. And so I applied for it, I filled in the budget and the details and the timeline And six months went past and I thought, you know, okay, haven't heard anything, so I guess nothing came of that. And this week, I got an email saying that we got 25,000 Rand from the government. (laughs) I mean, come on, when the government starts giving you money, (laughs) and it's legit, (laughs) you know, then uh, I'm just so blown away by the faithfulness of God. And again, it comes down to just faithful obedience. So I, I started shofar band, I was one, one part of the team started shofar band 10, 12 years ago. And uh there's been many times where over the years I've just wanted to kind of throw in the towel and say, okay, that's our, our last project. And then God will send somebody to speak an encouraging word into my soul. And I like, okay, God, let's let's keep going. Let's do this again. And it's just so amazing to see the momentum and the favor that, that God is giving us as a team um now. And uh a while ago, earlier this year, I heard uh, what, one of the slogans for YWAM, which I think is just so, so powerful. I think it's some of the founders of, of YWAM. They say, listen, obey, and never give up. Listen, obey, and never give up. I think that's so powerful. If I look back on the Shuffer Band journey, it was one to listen back in 2010 or 2011. Okay, God is saying we need to... We, we're going to start something that is going to help to disciple worshipers in South Africa and Africa and beyond. So we listened, and then, but you don't just listen. James 1, you don't, we're not just hearers of the word, we're doers, right? We obey as well. So, okay, God, let's go for it. I'm going to obey. But it's not enough just to obey back in 2011. It's never give up. Keep obeying. Keep being obedient. Because we get discouraged, right? God gives us a word. Each one of us, I'm sure we've had moments where we felt God saying, go in this direction. And we were obedient, but then discouragement comes. Circumstances don't work out the way you expected. And, and even for myself, shuffle band does not look the way I thought it was gonna look. But God's, God's ways are just always so much better than ours. And he, he just, I think we, we don't need to worry so much about the outcome. We just need to be obedient. Our responsibility lies in the response of obedience, and we leave the outcome we leave whatever it's going to look like. We leave that up to him Amen? and um and so speaking about about obedience, I think some of the things that impress us as people so much is stuff like gifting and anointing, like wow, that guy' is such an amazing speaker or such an amazing singer, or they're just so powerful or so anointed when they pray for people. That's the kind of stuff that impresses us, right? And I really don't think that stuff impresses God so much because it's gifts that he gives. So he's not exactly impressed by the gift that, that, he gave, that he gave. I think God is more impressed by a lifetime of faithfulness, a lifetime of saying yes to God over and over and over. Consistency, being consistent, being faithful in the daily and in the mundane. Because faithfulness is not really glamorous, right? Being faithful is not glamorous. We don't want to read the books or listen to the sermons about faithfulness. We want about gifting and the anointing and all of those things. But faithfulness is what is going to keep us consistent to the end. Faithful obedience. I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says that life is about a long obedience in the same direction. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation, he said, Life is about a long obedience. In other words, being, obediently, being obedient over and over in the same direction, staying the course. And if you've been around the church long enough, you would have known of so many people who do great things for God, and they're amazing, and they're powerful, and they're dynamic. But, you know, in the end, it maybe doesn't end off so well. So what's important in the end? Faithfulness, obedience, staying the course to the end, being obedient in the big moments and the small moments. The big moments where you have to decide, you know, am I what am I going to study or where am I going to live or am I going to marry that person or not? I don't know if there's anybody making big decisions like that. I won't look at the. I'll just look at the ceiling before I lock eyes with somebody I shouldn't be locking eyes with um but you know that those are the big moments where we need to be obedient but even obedience in the small moments the day-to-day waking up early spending time in the word of God loving your family consistently saying sorry when you get it wrong oh man that's tough the amount of times I have to go to my kids and say I'm sorry I got upset will you forgive me but those are the the little moments that matter in the long run I often say to, to worship leaders because I get to speak to a lot of worship leaders that with all due respect to the team here, what they did for 40 minutes on a Sunday, that's easy. Leading worship for 40 minutes on a Sunday, that's easy. Almost anyone can do that. But leading worship with your life, with the rest of your life, that is, that's where it becomes tricky. <laughs> And um, I I also want to say to every one of you, before you think I'm just speaking about worship leaders, do you know that each one of us are effectively worship leaders? Every single one of us. Our life testifies of that which we worship and that which we follow. And so how does your life lead worship? Not just for the 40 minutes on a Sunday when we come here and we put on our smiles and we drink the coffee, but what does it look like tomorrow morning when you wake up in your house? What does it look like when you go to work? What does it look like when you're with family? What does it look like when you're with difficult clients or different, difficult people? Do we lead worship well in the hard times? Or do we lead worship well in the times when nobody is looking? I think that's sometimes the most difficult. When, when it's the unseen, in the secret, where only the Father sees. How do we lead worship in those moments? (laughs) Thanks, Hannes. (laughs) Such an encouraging group of people. It's amazing. (laughs) It's funny, I met two two people here tonight in the second row, and uh, I introduced myself, James, and then they said hello to the person next to me, and and they said hello, and his name is James. So, So James is sitting in the front row, How's it, James? And um, as we're speaking about obedience, as I'm thinking about this thing of consistency and living a life of worship and a life of faithfulness and obedience, there's a part of me that actually just wants to put the mic down and invite somebody like Arthur and Yvette to come. Please speak to us about obedience. For people with, I've got a few patches of gray, mostly in my beard, Uh, It kind of came from my... From a combination of my kids and a couple of the people that I disciple, they they cause the grey in my in my life, and um, but I kind of want those with a full head of of grey hair. Unfortunately, Arthur doesn't qualify there, <laughs> but um, but I kind of want those with a full head of grey hair to come and just share. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I love Arthur so much. <laughs> For those with some life experience who've been through the hard times and have stayed faithful, who've stayed the course, who can say at the end of their lives that they love Jesus more than when they were zealous in their twenties. It's so powerful to hear those stories from those people of what does obedience look like. And I actually want to give every one of us homework. Go find someone with some grey hair and just ask them, How do you stay obedient? How do you stay consistent? How do you still love Jesus? Because do you, do you agree with me? I believe that at the end of our lives, we should love Jesus more than we love him right now. Hey, that is the trajectory we should be on. It's not about being zealous in your youth and, and then slowly diluting your, your, your zeal until one day we pass into eternity. No, I just believe God wants, the more, because the more we know him, as we grow in life, as we, we see him more, we know him more, Our hearts should be set more on fire by just who he is, what he has done, how good he is. Be more in awe of what he has done for us and who he is. And um, I also just want to honor Amor and and Luke uh, for the sermons that they've been preaching on this topic of of obedience. I think think it's been so powerful. They've been sharing a lot around kind of John 14 of, of obedience comes from this place of love for Jesus. And I think it's so important for us to shift our our understanding, because many times we think of obedience in slightly negative terms. Um, We think of it as, you know, something that we have to do, uh, or maybe rules that we have to keep, but it's so much more. Obedience, a life of obedience is, is a good thing for us. It's a, it's, a, it's a good life, it's a gift from God. The same way that discipline, we don't always like discipline, but discipline is a gift from God. If God doesn't discipline us, then we're not, his, then we're not legitimate, then we're not children, but a father disciplines his children. and In the same way, we, as legitimate children of God, we, we want to be obedient from a place of love for Jesus and from a place of understanding his, his love for us. So tonight I'm just gonna share one key For obedience, out of one chapter, we're going to spend most of our time in one chapter. You can turn to Psalm 1 in your Bibles. It will be up on the screen, but it is cool to read along in your own Bible. Everybody good? No, only the Father is good. (laughs) That felt like a Luke joke. (laughs) all right we're going to read in psalm 1 a key for obedience blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the lord that word law there can also be interpreted or translated instruction. So his delight is then in the instruction of the Lord. And on his law, on his instruction, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. What a cool promise, eh? In all that he does, he, promise, he prospers the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The chaff, so in those days, as they would separate the seed or the grain or whatever, the, the chaff would be the worthless part, the, the husk of the corn or, or whatever, that as they toss it up in the air, the, the wind would carry that away. And the psalmist is saying, the wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away, all the, the worthless stuff. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Beautiful psalm that I'm sure many of us have read many, many times. And it's got a key for obedience in it. And it's in verse 2. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. There's a key for obedience, which is delight. Delight. So Psalm 1 basically starts by contrasting these two types of people, the righteous and the wicked. Those who delight in God's law and in God's instruction and those who scoff at God's law, who scorn it, who decide not to accept it and not to follow it. And um, I think it's, it's important for us just to define who are the righteous because Maybe sometimes in our minds we think, okay, it's the righteous and the wicked, so it's those who do the right things and those who do evil, those who do the wrong things. But if you look at righteousness within the context of Scripture, the righteous are those who have placed their faith and their trust in the saving power of God. The righteous, don't mean, it doesn't mean that they are sinless and that they are perfect because there has never been a sinless or a perfect person outside of Jesus. Hey, this is good news for us. All of us qualify because we are sinful and we are imperfect, but we don't place our trust and our hope in our righteousness, in our own abilities and our own contributions and in what we can do for Jesus. And the amount of times I read the Bible, the amount of times I come to church, well, the, the good that I do for the poor, that does not add to my righteousness and I the only thing that makes me righteous is that I trust in the saving power of Jesus. And so I've made him Lord of my life because I know that I only lead myself to destruction, but Jesus leads me to life. So I've made him the Lord of my life. And because of that, I can call myself righteous. So if you're here tonight and you've placed your hope and your trust in the saving power of Jesus, you're righteous. You're in right standing with God. Guys, I, I kind of feel like we need to just stand still there for a moment because we become so familiar. Yeah, yeah, I'm in right standing with God. Just think about what we're saying. We're in right standing with God. We can stand in his presence and not be consumed. <laughs> we can stand in the presence of a perfect, holy God and experience his love and experience his embrace, experience his fathering, because we're in right standing with him, because of Jesus, because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. We should not just gloss over that. We need to meditate on that. And so someone starts by contrasting the, the blessed man and, and then the wicked and the sinner and the scoffer. It's interesting, there's kind of this downward spiral as he speaks about walking in the council. Of the wicked, and then eventually just standing in the seat of the sinner. Sorry, standing in the way of the sinner, and then eventually just sitting, taking on this identity as a scoffer. And um, we see the fruit of the wicked and the sinner and the scoffer all around us. We see the fruit of disobedience in the world around us. Every trauma, every tragedy. Every bit of chaos, every bit of corruption, everything that is wrong in this world can be tied to humanity rejecting God, humanity rebelling against God and not following the way of God, but following our own hearts and following our own way. Isn't that true? Everything, all pain, everything comes from a people who have followed, who decided not to follow the way of God, but to follow our own way. So we see the fruit. We see the spirit of the age at work. And what the psalmist is saying is is don't follow that way. Don't follow the way of the wicked or the sinner or the scornful, the scoffer. Blessed is the man who don't follow them. But what is different about the righteous? What do they do differently? This is where you speak. They trust in the Lord, but it's, what does it say then, verse two? What is different about the blessed man? He delights in the law of the Lord. He delights in the instruction of the Lord. And it's so powerful, The psalm that's right at the beginning of the psalms. Remember the psalms are a book, a collection of poems and of songs and of prayers that spanned a thousand years. There's a thousand years of time that passed between all the different Psalms being written. And so there was an editor or there were editors that put them together, compiled them into a book that we now have before us as the Psalms. And the editor or the editors, they specifically put Psalm 1 so powerfully right at the beginning because they're saying, look in front of you. You're about to read the law of the Lord. You're about to read God's instruction. How do you approach it? Delight in it. If you want to receive everything that God has from you, from this book, from this law, from this instruction, delight in the word of the Lord. It's so powerful that it's, it's right there in the beginning. And so we're speaking about delight. I said a little bit earlier that I think for so many of us, obedience has these negative associations with it, right? Think about when you were told as a child to obey, it's normally when you wanted to do something and then you weren't able to do it. Or you didn't want to do something and then you had to do it. And so I think when we think of obedience, sometimes there's, there's negative stuff that comes up. Where we think, you know, obedience is about following the rules and doing the right thing and, and all of that. Maybe you think, just for a moment, just think what comes up in your mind when you think about obedience. no, God designed obedience for for us to delight in his instruction, to delight in his word to the point that obedience just flows out of delighting in his instruction, flows out of loving his word, flows out of loving his commandments. And so, I mean, the word delight, that's a strong word, right? It's not just saying something pretty you know, uh, mediocre. It's saying our delight. Think of the things that you delight in. Things. Think of the things that you take intense joy in. <laughs> I missed that. What was it? Turkish delight. <laughs> I don't know if I take delight in Turkish delight, but the Turks do. Think of the things that you take delight in. The word of God, He psalmist is saying, I delight. I find intense pleasure. I find intense joy in the word and in the instruction of the Lord. Because I know it's not, it's not just a book of rules. It's the very word of God. And I approach his commandments with delight. And so my question for you is, is what when you open the word of God, is there a sense of delight within you? When you open God's word, is there a sense of joy and of delight? Is there a sense of hope that, man, I cannot wait to read this because I know that Jesus is going to change me. The Father is going to change me. The Holy Spirit is going to make me to look more like Jesus as I read this. Is there that sense of hope? Is there that sense of joy? Is that sense of delight? Or does it feel dead? Does it maybe fill you with anxiety? or shame, or a sense of unworthiness, or guilt, when you read these things and you're like, I can never measure up to this, I can never be like this. What spirit is ministering to you when you hear the instruction of the Lord? What spirit is ministering? How do you feel when God gives you an instruction? Do you feel like all of heaven's weight behind you to say, I believe in you, my child, I I know that you're going to change and you're going to become more like Jesus. Or do you have the sense of, I'm not good enough. Even as we were singing earlier, you're welcome here. Do you feel the worth that Jesus places on you to be able to even to say those words? God, you're welcome in my home. I want you to come and eat with me. I want you to come and change me. And so if we have these negative associations with obedience, if we have these wrong understandings of what it means to be a child of God and to, to be obedient, our minds need to be transformed, right? We need to be changed. Dan, you can take the sound down just a touch. So in Romans 12, Paul is speaking and he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All of us, we're living sacrifices. How do we change? We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need our minds to be renewed. And around obedience, we need our minds to be renewed so that it would be a delight. The law of God would be a delight. That it would be our greatest delight just to open his word and to hear his instruction. Or to, to take, or be walking down the road and then God gives an instruction. The Holy Spirit lays something on your heart and like, yes, Jesus, I cannot wait <laughs> to be obedient. Because the thing is, when we delight, obedience follows far easier. Obedience comes much easier when we delight in the instruction, when we delight in the command. And so to be transformed, we, we need to be filled with the word of God. We need our minds to be renewed, so we need to be filled. because that's what the psalm says. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And that's, that's the difference really between biblical meditation, so what the psalmist is meaning by meditating on the, on the Word of God, and what some Eastern religions believe about meditation, where meditation, if you want to get to a place of peace and of purpose, you just need to empty yourself. You need to get rid of everything. You need to let go, and you need to empty your mind and empty your thoughts. But biblical meditation is to fill ourselves with the Word of God. Not to empty ourselves, but to fill ourselves with the word of God. And uh, it's been said many times, but the Bible really is the only food that the more you eat of it, the more you want to eat. And the less you eat of it, the less you want to eat. Who's experienced that, hey? The more you, you eat God's word, you're just like, you, you want more. It stirs your hunger. And the less you eat, the less you want to eat of it. I was listening to something from Henny Swart. He's one of our chauffeur pastors. And I don't know if this is his quote or if he was quoting somebody else, but it was so powerful. Uh, when life cuts you, do you bleed scripture? Exactly. <laughs> when life cuts you, and there's gonna be times when it's really hard and it's really tough. But what comes out? If we're filled with the Word of God, we will bleed Scripture. And so I want to encourage each one of us to make the Word of God a part of our lives. I I, I can't, this is really, if you listen to nothing else, just listen to this. Make the Word of God. Do whatever you need to do to make the Word of God part of your daily devotion with the Lord. And not just parts of the Word, not just the, the little bits that you like. God is not just the God of Philippians and a couple of the Psalms. And uh, that, one, that one little section in, in 1 John, you know. He's the God of the fullness of Scripture. And if we want to know him in his fullness, we need to read the fullness of Scripture. From, from Leviticus, hallelujah, from cover to cover. I've had the most amazing revelations of God in the most unexpected places. I think I was saying to Amo the other day, I, I had my, one of my greatest revelations of the Holy Spirit reading Judges. <laughs> Why? Because you see just how hopeless we are without the Holy Spirit. So God has to raise somebody up and fill them with the Spirit, and then they deliver Israel from their enemies, and then eventually the the nation goes into decline once that person dies. Why? Because we need the Holy Spirit. We We don't have any hope of living a righteous life without the Holy Spirit. And so I encourage you, read the fullness of scripture. You'll see God, you'll, and the beautiful thing as well, in the Old Testament, you'll see Jesus on every page. The whole Old Testament is just this beautiful buildup to the one who alone is worthy. And um, I know life, life gets busy. I don't know if there's any, I'm trying to kind of gauge the people here. I don't think, how many oh, young parents here? Not that many, okay. Um, and uh, so we uh, I always call it the toddler trenches. My wife and I are in the toddler trenches at the moment. And it just feels like life is so crazy. Like no matter how early I get up in the morning to spend time with the Lord at the moment, my two-year-old, no matter how early and no matter how quiet I am when I wake up, he's just like, hello, Papa. <laughs> It's very cute, but it's, like, very frustrating when you want to have a quiet time, because having a quiet time with a two-year-old is just not very productive, and so we've just realized that it's not as neat and as nicely organized, my time in the Word, as it used to be, but uh, but finding time wherever to spend time in the Word. I remember when I had my first child almost eight years ago. Um, a friend of mine, Greg, he said to me, because in the craziness of that season, my Bible reading time was lower on the priority list. And he just said, James, you cannot go a day of your life without reading the word of God. And I'm so thankful for a friend who would speak that kind of truth to me because I've, I've just aimed since then, every day. I cannot let a day go past not spending time in the, in the word. And there have been days when I haven't. And you feel it, hey, We starve ourselves when we don't fill ourselves with the word. Every day we need to be eating and delighting in his instruction. Because look at these promises. If you're unsure of why you should do it, just look at these promises in verse 3. Instead of being like chaff that the wind is blowing away, you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. It kind of sounds too good to be true, right? (laughs) But it's not because it's the word of God. And it's also, I think it's important to note that this is not some, it sounds a little bit like a prosperity gospel of your, things are always going to go well with you. But uh, what the psalmist doesn't do is that he doesn't describe the environment around this tree. But if there's a chance of its leaf withering, I'm imagining then that it's in a very dry environment. And so our circumstances might look really dry on the outside. Things might not be going as we expected. But we have this stream of water that is always watering us. And we're bearing fruit in season. When it's the right season for that fruit, it is gonna appear because we are delighting in the Word of God. Our leaf will not wither. These are amazing promises, that, and that's just God, that His commands are always for our good. So if He says, Delight in my law, it's not for Him, it's for us, because He knows how it changes us and shapes us. And so the key for our obedience is to be a people who delight in the Word of God, who delight in in the instruction of God. Who delight in, and when I say his word, I mean in the written word, which is just such a gift. Imagine where we would be without the Bible. We would be lost. We have the word of God, the written word. We also have Jesus, the word made flesh. Delight in Jesus. And also delight in the spirit who is with us, the spirit who walks with us and tells us to do things that isn't necessarily written right here. Uh, In the the intercession before the time, we were sharing some testimonies, and I I just loved, for me, the common denominator was people being obedient to the Holy Spirit talking. The Holy Spirit talks, the Holy Spirit gives instruction. Annabelle was sharing about, I mean, it's just the coincidence, it cannot be coincidence. She was sharing about wanting to pray for somebody from Mossel Bay, who she met in George, and she ran into them in, a friend of them in Otsun just at the moment where they really needed prayer. It's just like God lines these things up in the most amazing way if we delight in his instruction. And I also mean his instruction of right now, what do you need to be obedient with right now? What is God calling us to be obedient with right now? Do we delight in that? Um... I'm I'm so aware that there's, there's just so much else, there's so much noise that is competing for the attention of our hearts and for our place of delight. Um, I think most of you know I've got, I've got three young kids, so a two-year-old, four-year-old, and a seven-year-old. And with the four-year-old and the seven-year-old, we're trying to teach them quick obedience, <laughs> which means being obedient the first time. It's a wrestle. Eh? Almost kids are perfect. They listen the first time. But, uh, but for us, we're, we're learning how to discipline them, how to, how to disciple them into quick obedience. And um, so something that's, it happened again this week, where in the mornings, we as a family, five of us need to be out the house by 10 past seven every morning because my wife has to get to school and my kid, she's a teacher, and my kids need to get to school. So it's like there's zero margin for error, okay? When you're trying to get a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old and yourselves out the house by 10 past seven. There's no margin for error. So 10, 10 to seven, okay, girls, go upstairs, go pee-pee, go brush your teeth, and go get dressed. And, you, and then in my head, I'm like, okay, they'll be done by like five past, and there's time for them to come downstairs. My wife will do their hair, and then out the door, out we go. And so off I go, and I go do a few things on my, myself that I need to finish up, and then about five past seven, go up the stairs. To, and it's normally... <laughs> Normally, as, as I'm walking up the stairs, doof, 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 they suddenly start, they hear my footsteps, and then I can suddenly hear this crazy movement in the room. because <laughs> so I realize I'm coming close. And as I get there, suddenly they're grabbing the toothbrush, and they're still in their pajamas. And I want to scream, because <laughs> what have you been doing for the last 15 minutes? I know they were playing. And uh, it's very cute, but it's it, like... <laughs> It's really difficult when you need leave in five minutes and they still haven't gotten dressed or brushed their teeth or been to the toilet. And so I think I think you know, for them it's not they're not being willfully disobedient, but they get distracted. And I think for so many of us that's what happens. We we're not we're not, we our intention is not to disobey the Lord. None of us would say, I want to disobey the word of God. But many times we get distracted. There's other things that compete for our attention and for our affection. I thought it was really funny. As I was preparing this sermon, I closed the tab and then this picture popped up uh, from Woolworths. <laughs> and I was like, this is just like the devil. <laughs> More chuckles to choose from. (laughs) (laughs) Hey? Competing. So much competition for our affection and for our place of delight. Karina, I think you need to take that picture off, otherwise everyone's going to be staring at chuckles. I want to encourage you, some homework for you. Go and read Psalm 119. Go and read the whole chapter. If you want to stir your affection, if you want to stir your delight, go and read a psalmist who says, Lord, I love your law. I love your law. We need to stir our affection for the beauty of the word, the supreme beauty of Jesus. I was listening to a song last night by Benjamin Hastings and such a great line where he's, He's singing a song over his daughter and he says, I want to give you a first glass of wine so that I can ruin your palate for anything subpar, basically, he's saying. Isn't that beautiful? I want to, I want to give you such a great glass of wine that you won't be able to take anything that's, that's not great. And we need to ruin our palates with Jesus. See the supreme beauty of Jesus, the supreme, we did it at the beginning, taking a moment just to be quiet, just to be still, just to see the lamb of heaven, to see the one who was slain for us to be ruined by his beauty. That everything else that competes for our attention, for our affection, it just can't compare. It can't come close. That his word, his instruction would be so precious to us so much more beautiful that than anything, that anything else that competes for our attention and our affection. It just won't come close. I love, one of my favorite responses from Jesus is in, in John chapter 4, where he has the conversation with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And what had happened before that conversation, the disciples went into the village to go get some food for them. And then after the conversation, they come back and they give Jesus his or whatever they bought in town, I don't know, Big Mac and cheese, and, um, and, and Jesus says, no thanks, I've got, I've got other food, and they're kind of confused, you know, what, what food does Jesus have, and he says, my food is to do the will of my father, and to finish his work, and uh, I just, I can so imagine in that moment, Jesus has just had this profound conversation with the Samaritan woman. He knows the change that's happening in her life. He knows the city that's about to come to salvation through her testimony. He knows the fact that he just changed worship forever with this conversation. By the way, if you wanna know what worship is all about, go and read this conversation with the Samaritan woman. And he's just so satisfied with being obedient to his father in that moment that even earthly food, he's just like, I'm not hungry. I'm so content, I'm not even hungry for earthly food anymore. There's a contentment that comes from obedience that we cannot get anywhere else. From knowing that we're busy with the Father's work. I'm going to end off, the end of Psalm, Psalm 1, he says, the psalmist says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. God knows the way of the righteous. That word knows means that he watches over, he guards, he holds He cares for. His eye is upon the way of the righteous. And the amazing thing is that God knows us so intimately. He knows us so deeply. He knows, Psalm 103 says that he knows our frame. He knows our strengths and he knows our weaknesses. And let me tell you this. God the Father is not intimidated by your weaknesses. We are the ones who are intimidated by our weaknesses. We are the ones that are so aware of our shortcomings and our weaknesses that we're like, oh, how can I be obedient? And this is something that keeps us from delighting in the word of God and in the instruction of the Lord. Something that keeps us from obedience is shame and inadequacy. When we believe the lies of the enemy, when we don't believe the truth of our God who is a father who loves us. You can go and read in, in Psalm, Psalm 103 where it says that he's a father. He knows us. He knows our frame. Jesus knows us. Jesus had the full human experience. Hebrews 4 it says that he was tempted in every way. He, he experienced everything that we experience. God knows us. He sympathizes with our weakness. And he still believes in us that We're still his choice. Let that blow your mind for a moment. We as the church, we're still his choice to bring the kingdom on earth. So who are we to say, no, not me? We need a right understanding of God and we need a right understanding of ourselves. And I believe that God wants to come and and do that for, for many of us tonight where we have a wrong understanding of ourselves.